Now, this reminds me of many years ago when I was involved in Boy Scouts for a season. Maybe I was 11 or 12, somewhere in that ballpark for a couple years. And, and we would go on these summer camps, like big old camp outs. Sometimes it'd actually be other troops would join us. And so one of the favorite things to do would be all out capture the flag. I mean, you know, like capture the flag, like you've, yeah, okay, maybe we need to introduce this to some more people. But with the capture the flag, basically you have like a territory, you have a dividing line, and it's like your side, the enemy side. And so we battle against like these other troops. And the whole idea is you've got to go over to the other side, somehow sneak past, you know, their, um, those that are watching, keeping guard, get the flag and get it back to your side. And then you win the game. That's, that's the whole deal. But this was like full-on guerrilla warfare. This was like taking to the next level that, you know, you had, you had some of the scouts were climbing trees. Some were setting like little wire traps, you know. And the only light that we really had was either the moon or the campfires on either end. So you had a big campfire on each side of this ravine. And that would be the jail. And that's where, you know, if you got captured on enemy territory, you'd have to go to the, you know, bonfire. It's almost like the bonfire of shame, you know, like the dog cone of shame. It's like the bonfire of shame. I'm, yeah, I'm here at the bonfire. And so you'd want to break people free. You'd want to kind of sneak in there and get them out. But here's the deal. There was no truce. There was no time out. There was no neutral territory. Either you're on your side guarding it, or you were on the enemy side trying to get the flag. And so it was full-on warfare. It was like we would do everything we could. And the best would be you kind of sneak in there and like sneak attack and free people from the jail. That's the ultimate. If you have a super stealth person, like that would be their job. Well, for us, on a spiritual level, there really is no neutral ground. Paul lays out two options for us. And here they are. Walk by the Spirit or fulfill the desires of the flesh. So really, he doesn't leave like this nebulous, middle ground, neutral territory it's either living God's way or living my way. So in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read this section. It's three verses. So you can turn there or turn your phone or read along up on the screen. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. So Paul says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, so this is a two-part series. Before I go any farther, I'm just going to take a moment. Let's pray. Let's pray that God would bless the teaching of his word. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the hope that we have. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to the battle that's within us. We have this desire to follow the spirit or the flesh. Lord, I pray that you would, you would awaken us. Lord, you would show us maybe areas that, that need to be let go of, that we need to surrender to you. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and our minds to the scripture, bring new depth to it. And Lord, I pray that um, for each one, Lord, you would just remove the distractions, remove the distractions in this place or even in our hearts and minds that we may be able to hear from you. Lord, we want to hear from your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is part two of a two-part series 
taking ground. The idea, particularly, it's no coincidence that it's right before summer, is that, hey, during the summertime, we have a choice. Can we be taking ground or losing ground? As we just talked about, there's really no neutral territory. And so how do we move forward? How, how do we move forward in the faith during the summer, which can have its own challenges or kind of offer routine or schedule? We have vacations. Um, you know, the sun is out in a pretty powerful way. There's a lot going on. And how do we have the right focus. So last week, Kevin Garcia shared about how to leverage this freedom that we've been given through Jesus. Now we've been free, yet we can use this freedom to either indulge in our fleshly desires, or we can use this freedom to humbly serve others. We can be about God's business, God's work, and particularly reaching out, loving others. So first of all, let's just define the word flesh. When we say flesh, we don't mean skin and muscle. It's not what we're talking about. It's actually a spiritual term in the sense it's the inner desires that revolve around the goal of opposing the plans of God and to please ourselves instead. This is self-gratification. That's what we mean by the flesh. According to this idea of freedom, we could ask, well, how can I best indulge in my temporal desires without technically breaking the rules? You know, so like, how close to the line can I get? And say, well, that's actually the, the wrong question. The, the better question would be, how can I use my newfound freedom to follow Christ and to bring others along and, and to love those he's put in my path, in my life? So Paul kind of lays this out, this whole concept of using this freedom, and then there's a comma, and then we roll into this next part. It's like a deeper level, uh, kind of the next step, or you could say the next page. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, let's look at that together where he starts off the section, he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, <clears throat> and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. There's a battle going on within us, and even those that are not believers, many would attest to this as well and recognize that there's a battle going on on the inside. We, we battle between what to do and what we think we should do. And there's this weird kind of in-between. And so we get kind of mixed up between the two. Now, Paul will explain the best way to combat our sinful desires is to walk by the Spirit. The best way to combat our sinful desires is to walk. It's like we're replacing this habit with another habit, and that's to walk, walk by the Spirit. For us, it comes down to choice. We need to pick a side, just like capture the flag. Uh, we need to pick a side. You're on one or the other. Either you indulge the flesh or walk in the spirit. Uh, there's no spiritual Switzerland. There's not. There's no neutral territory. You got to choose a sign. So again, verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So Paul lays out the walk God desires us to have. There's a walk that desires us to have. The Bible has a lot to say about walking with God. It's kind of thrown throughout the Old Testament, New Testament. It's all in there. Just this idea of this, this relationship we have with him. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, very beginning, it says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So this suggests that this was a common occurrence, that they're going for strolls. They're spending time together. You know, it's not like God's way out in front. It's like they're walking together in communion. 1 John 1.7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and it kind of goes on from there of the choice that we have. The idea is that, hey, we're walking, we're walking after Jesus in this light. Micah, many of you might know, verse 
or chapter six, verse eight, says, he has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So there's this walk. There's a lot of other places it could be talked about our Christian journey as a walk. Um, he also, God mentions, you know, Noah and Moses. And so this is a theme all throughout. Now it brings to mind this great imagery of this personal relational aspect that we want to have with God. We, we sometimes can just feel kind of distant, but yet he wants us to be in this place that it, it models a walk. And the walk emphasizes the need of forward movement. We're actually going somewhere. We're not just kind of sitting down, sipping coffee, which isn't a bad thing, but there's something going on. There's this, it, it requires forward movement on a regular basis. And it's used in the present tense, which points to something very continuous. And it's not passive. It, it speaks of two that are in harmony and community and oneness and focus and in mission. So friends, we have a choice. We have a choice. Bondage comes from giving in to desires of the flesh and you become under the control of that. Uh, there's this freedom that comes from surrendering to the Holy Spirit. So there's this freedom as I surrender, as I wave the white flag, I say, okay, God, I'm tired of doing it my way. My way hasn't been very fruitful anyways. Um, I'm gonna wave the white flag, say, I surrender. I'm, I'm gonna do it your way. So there's, there's actually this tension that takes place, right? There's this, this resisting desires of the flesh, but there's also this surrendering to the Holy Spirit. It's like, I, I have to let go of this in order to grab this. I need to let go. And it's a process, right? Where I'm continually learning how to grow in this walk. So there's resisting and surrendering at the same, pli- same place and same time. The Spirit is a source of all righteous living. It, it comes from Him to actually do the things He asks us to do. He gives us, comes alongside, fortifies us as we choose to be obedient and gives us the power to do it. So the Spirit is the source of all righteous living, yet it's the believer who's commanded to walk. Like God has his role, but we clearly have our role. And that's to walk. There's this old poem of a fictitious soldier lamenting his sinful condition. And it went like this. It says, I'm a man and a man's a mixture, right down from his very birth. For part of him comes from heaven and part of him comes from earth. There's this battle that takes place within us. And if we walk by the Spirit, we naturally shall not desire to fulfill the lust of the flesh any longer. There's going to be a change that's going to start to take place. So what does this mean to walk by the Spirit? It's kind of this Christianese term that I believe we need to break down. First, it means if you're a follower of Jesus, you've accepted Jesus into your life. Not only do you have salvation, not only do you have forgiveness, not only do you have hope of eternity in heaven, you've also been given we call the helper, what the Bible refers to as, as the helper comes alongside and lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in the believer, actually comes and, and joins with us. And so we have, we have the Holy Spirit in, but we might not necessarily give Holy Spirit access to all the areas of our life. You know what I mean? Like, hey, Holy Spirit, you can hang out in the living room, but I'm not showing you some of these back rooms because, you know, I don't really want you going. So we have to be willing, and he's not going to force his way in. We have to be willing to say, I invite you in. I want to surrender to you in this. So second, it means, hey, I need to actually surrender to the influence of the Holy Spirit, but I need to set the stage. And I'm just going to give you some ideas of certain things that I know others or myself have done that really helps me align, come to this place of surrendering to the Lord. One would be bowing down and actually your posture. 
When I pray, sometimes I just want to have my, my face down on the carpet because it, one, it helps me to focus because you're very aware that you're in a different kind of situation. If you kind of like, you ever try to like pray while you're in bed? How successful is that, right? There's something really good about being on your face where one, in just that posture, I want to communicate to God that, that I'm, I'm bound down to his will. I'm, I'm surrendering to him. And trust me, as a good heavenly father, he has a plan for us. Not that it's going to be easy, but he'll give us the strength to walk through it. So I bow down sometimes just in this um, idea in my mind of humility. Uh, go for a walk with intention, not just a stroll, but particularly going for a walk, particularly in nature where I feel like I can connect with God in a deeper ways. Sometimes just going by a beach or mountainside or forest, whatever it may be, and, and have some real intention. Like, I'm going to spend this time seeking the Lord and asking him to search my heart. Um, another thing you can do is just read a passage. Read a couple of Bible verses. We have their LBF church um, bookmark that goes through different scriptures. Ask God to speak to you before you open it up and ask him to show you. Maybe a, a particular verse will stand out that you can spend more time on. Um, listen to some worship music. Christian music's gotten so good these days. It's great. <clears throat> when I was in high school, it wasn't so great. Yeah, it, was, it definitely has changed. And so, um, look, I think it's so good to listen to some worship, listen to some music that will help kind of set your heart and your mind in the right direction. These are all just ideas. But yet, there's this idea of focus. Learning to say yes. So when the Holy Spirit impresses something upon your mind and heart, are we willing to say Yes. One time I had a mentor and he basically said, I want you just to get on your face and just seek the Lord and stay there until he shows you something. So I actually started putting like images in my mind of certain people that I needed to befriend or reach out to or, or try to extend God's love to. And so it was very purposeful. Now, you want to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Look, and I know none of us are perfect in this, but it's something we want to continue just to grow in. And so maybe you're praying and you feel like the Lord may impress your neighbor that you really don't even know that well to go out and reach out to him. So you go over there and find out the yard's a mess. What's going on? Maybe they're sick and maybe the family is having some financial issues and lost job because of sickness. And you kind of step in and go, how can I help? Well, I have um, some teenage kids, so I offer to have them mow the lawn. Um, yeah, you know, that's the way it works. And so then go in, spend some time, and I ask, how can I pray for them? Okay, that could be a little scary, but you got to trust that in these steps, God will lead us and give us all that we need along the way. Um, and let me just say this too, because sometimes we kind of go, well, is that, really, is that really the Holy Spirit? Well, okay, well, it's probably not the devil because the devil doesn't want you reaching out to your neighbors and praying for him, right? Let's just eliminate, that isn't probably going to be the devil putting that idea in your head. Is it going to be your flesh? No, because your flesh would say, let's not go to your neighbors, let's go to in and out And so um, it's probably not going to be your flesh. So you have to kind of boil it down and go, you know what? It's probably the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to be obedient in this. And so that's what I picture it looking like. Uh, there's this cardinal rule of, of following another car. My parents taught me this early on. If I am the following car, what is my job? To keep up, right? Okay, don't break any traffic laws doing it. But yeah, to keep up. Like my job is to make them not have to slow down or stop at least as much as possible. That's, that's my goal as a follower is to keep up. Well, in Galatians 5, um, the next verse, or a little farther down this chapter, verse 25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit's on the move. Keep up. Our job is to keep up. Spirit's on the move. He's not just staying stagnant. There's work he wants to do, and he wants to involve us. He wants us to be a part of it, and so he's on the move. So this is really the, the walk God desires us to have. So verse 17, 
Go to the next verse. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So Paul now explains the choice God desires us to make. There's a choice that he desires us to make. Maybe like eight, nine years ago, there's a book that came out, Eat This, Not That. You ever heard of that book? It's like a book like, you know, basically, you know, eat this food item or what you order at a fast food restaurant or even like at Chili's, you know, order this instead of that. Sometimes there's only like 150 calories difference or something. Like, really, that's not that much better. But the idea is, you know, this would be, if you're going to start making healthier decisions, you know, eat this instead of that. Like, eat grape nut flakes instead of frosted flakes, you know. Um, popcorn instead of kettle potato chips. Maybe a Chick-fil-A grilled sandwich instead of a double-double. You know, I know, I know, sorry. Um, but, you know, maybe that's better. But our kids became like total followers of this. And in fact, just started pointing things out to us. So guess where that book went? I couldn't, I was actually looking for it. I couldn't find it. I like, maybe we got, that's going. So, but you get the idea. Hey, look, uh, there's a lot of choices. If I want to be healthy, the goal is healthiness, then I need to start making choices that lead me in that direction. That's going to be daily decision. Well, in the same thing here, we have daily choices, daily decisions we need to make. Now, as long as we are in these fleshly bodies, uh, we're going to have the struggle. We're going to struggle with fleshly desires. It's just part of the deal. As long as we're in these bodies, we're going to have, there's going to be some struggle, this wrestling match take place. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, Paul kind of explains how we can take on and set the stage for this battle. So he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, this is a pretty graphic term. If we're kind of more, you know, if you think of um, early Rome, there's battles and wars kind of going on a lot. And so this is something that they would have fully understood, this idea of you're taking something captive. You take a, a, a city captive, like you're marching the people out, usually chained together. It's a very demonstrative, uh, clear picture of like what it means to conquer. And so the idea is that you're actually taking those thoughts hostage. Like you're, you're taking control over them and saying, no, I'm not going to follow that. Just because it entered my brain doesn't make it right. Just because it comes into my mind and my heart doesn't make it something that I should follow. But the devil, I believe, can be pretty crafty and, and kind of make it feel like maybe that's kind of our thought and maybe we should kind of think about it. We live in a culture that says, follow your heart. Don't do that. Follow the Holy Spirit. Follow his word. Not necessarily our heart because we can be corrupted by the desires of the flesh and by the enemy that can plant some ideas and thoughts in our mind. And we have a choice. Are we going to take every thought captive? Are we going to take the side and go, does this line up with what God want me to do? Does this line up with his word? So it all starts in our mind. It all starts right there. However, the more that I'm in God's word, more I'm in fellowship and accountability with others, the easier to discern the lies from the truth. I should be able to start to tell the difference. Now, this is a process, but I should, as I move forward in this walk with him, I should grow in this. Now, there's a battle going on, and it comes down to our daily choices. If you change your diet, they say it takes 21 days to turn a corner. Well, for spiritually, what about us? What would that look like of having 21 days? Say, I'm going to seek the Lord for these 21 days. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to set the timer on the coffee maker. I'm going to be on my face. I'm going to seek the Lord and ask him to direct me. 
I wonder what would happen if we did this as a church. For the next 21 days, next three weeks, say every morning I'm going to ask the Lord either by a walk or, you know, just um, getting a little extra early and having this quiet time. Because once others get up in my household, it's kind of like that moment's lost. You know what I mean? So there's certain times like you just have to get away. Maybe that's later on in the day. But I challenge you. What would it look like? What would our church look like? I think it would actually be a pretty radical difference um, if we made a conscious focus for 21 days. So what would this look like? Later on in this chapter, Paul lays out the product of the flesh versus the fruits of the spirit. So he has a long list of, of where the flesh, desires of flesh, will ultimately lead us. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, which is basically worship of anything other than God, Hatred, discord, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Like who doesn't struggle with that? Dissensions. And the list goes on and on. These were, the, the, the flesh will lead us. And so Paul describes these things in quite detail. And then you have the fruit of the spirit. Now the fruit is what God wants to produce in our life as we are connected to him, as we abide in him. That word abide means remain, we stay. And as we do that, the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Doesn't our world need this? Don't we need this more in our lives? I say this is a forward progress. I say all of a sudden these things are just going to be in full bloom. If we move forward, we walk with him. This is a natural byproduct of walking by the Spirit. Is that these fruit will begin to take place. Did your mom ever tell you not to snack before dinner time or maybe even tell your own kids and say, you know, don't snack right before dinner time because you will spoil your appetite. Yes, so you, you want them to enjoy. And so sometimes we can fill up on kind of some junk beforehand. And I am kind of a, I'm notorious for being a snacker. I'm surprised I don't even have some right here. And I'm nor, I love to kind of snack, but I have to kind of control myself a little bit so I don't ruin my appetite. And so same thing for us. God wants to lead us and guide us in and he wants to grow in us. But if we give in to the leading of our flesh, it ruins our appetite for what God has in store for us. He has more in store and we can ruin our appetite for it by going after and seeking the things of the flesh. So are we willing to give him a say in our daily decisions? What kind of movies or TV shows should we be watching? Are we allowing that? Are we willing to put that on the table and surrender to him? And we can, when we realize, we think, oh, I surrender to God, but when they start kind of listening to things, go, oh, hey, I don't know about this. Um, how about how we spend our evenings? Sometimes I feel like, where did three hours go? How can it just, you know, go away? Poof. How, how can I use it and leverage that time? What kind of music do we listen to? Uh, what do we do with our mornings? Maybe choose to get up a little earlier and be in the Word and Scripture. What do we do with our finances? Maybe that means, you know, stepping out of faith and you're supporting one of the works going on here or one of our go teams or someone you might know that is going on a go team. Hey, how do we lay these before the Lord just in a practical day-to-day experience? We need to continually choose Him, not just a one-time deal. We have this idea of like, now I'm a Christian, okay. No, there's a continuing choosing to walk with Him. There's a continuing choosing to say yes. And that's what this really comes down to. I made a commitment to my wife 21 years ago to cherish her, to love her. It's a commitment. It's a covenant that we made. But what if I just said, oh, it was a one-time deal. That was great back then. But I didn't really do much after that. No, look, I need to be 
willing to say I do over and over and over again, where I continue to care for her and love her, encourage her, let her know how important she is to me. It's, it's like, yes, that was the beginning, and that was great, but what really matters after that is what you do with that first big decision. And this can relate to, you know, really any relationship. You're a parent. You know, yes, you help bring this child into the world, but your work is not done, right? Was, that, that happened. They're here in this world. But yet, what about all the decisions that need to fold around that love that you have for this child? Maybe it's extended family. Um, maybe it's your parents. Whatever the case may be, it's not a one-time decision to love them, right? Well, same thing. We made a commitment to Jesus. If you're a follower of him, you made a commitment to Jesus. And there was like this one spot that you were dead in your sins. And yes, now I said yes to Jesus. He came in and brought that forgiveness, gave that hope. And so it was a one-time decision, but then it's our daily decisions that will determine whether we mature and grow and move forward. So I have to make these daily decisions that reinforce that one bigger decision. So this is a choice God desires us to make. It's a daily ongoing choice. Okay, verse 18. Verse 18 says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now we see the victory God desires to give us. Paul now is describing the victory he desires to give us. There's a victory, there's triumph. We can, we can have victories as we move forward in this walk with him, as we're led by the Spirit. There should be, as we're led by the Spirit, continually trusting in him, there should be some forward movement, something substantial, significant, and observable victory over the flesh. As I say, no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit. We need to be able to say no. Sometimes we need to kind of look in the mirror and I need to look in the mirror and say, no, no to my fleshly desire. No, Troy, that's not the road you need to go down. That's not what the Lord would have for you. Sometimes I think we need to say no. I think we say yes all too easy to the desires that maybe come at us because of our flesh. He says, but if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. This is a powerful statement. I mean, you are no longer under the law in this sense that, the legalists, or those are kind of resorting to legalism, says, I can earn God's favor by the more that I do in living according to the laws and to the rules. And it's like, that, that's not relationship. That's like a bunch of rules. And so there's this idea that I can earn God's favor. No, this is a relationship. It's not a contract in that sense. So you have this relationship and I want to follow him because I'm his child. I, I want what he wants. And things that displease him, I, I want to turn away from. Paul is saying that being led by the Spirit is more transformative than simply being given a set of rules. Saying, look, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. Yes, I'm not saying you toss out the rules. There are guidelines for sure. But the motivation is, as a child of God, I'm doing to serve and follow after him. He says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now notice the second word there, if. It's conditioned. The word if should be considered as conditional and should not be translated as since. It doesn't say, but since you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. It says if. The condition of if beckons the reader to fulfill their part of the deal. Like, I have my part, you have your part. So the idea is that it says, if I am led by the Spirit. I have to choose and allow myself to be led by him. Now, a soldier, soldier in the military is going to trust the commanding officer. Seeing 
I've trusted this officer in the past. It has been faithful and true. And I'm gonna trust that when they send us to go, we're out on the field. I trust that the commanding officer has a bigger picture, can see what, what lays ahead and see the, the, the bigger strategy. Even though we might only see this one part, but the soldier trusts the commanding officer knows what he's doing. So I'm gonna follow his or her lead. And so you have this idea of a soldier, I'm gonna follow. Well, I can tell you, friends, God sees the big picture. And sometimes we only see this. And so we start making decisions contrary to what God would have for us because I see this and I don't see the big picture. But that's where faith comes in saying, okay, I can only see this, but God, you're telling me that there's this out here that I need to be wary of or that you want me to go do and I'm gonna trust you. And the way faith grows is I say yes to God in the small thing. And then I see God move in that and be faithful to that. And then it gives me faith to take like a bigger step. And then I, I see God be faithful in that. And then I'm able to take a bigger step. And so that's the way faith goes. It's a, it's a muscle that needs to be exercised. God sees the big picture. The attitude is here I am, direct me, show me the way to go. The law was never meant to be our savior. The purpose of the law was drive us to our need for a savior. Uh, the law is really, as Paul describes, a tutor. The idea of a tutor is a tutor doesn't do all the work for you. A tutor directs you and guides you. And so the idea is we realize with the law that we can't keep it. We can't keep even the Ten Commandments. Not unless other rules and other regulations that go in there. Look, we can't even keep those. And so it shows our need that we're bankrupt spiritually, that we need a Savior. We need Jesus who died on the cross, who gave us total forgiveness and a new life. It reveals our need that we can't save ourselves. And we can't even live this life here on this earth the way he wants us to without him. It's been said that since we can't obey the original 10 commandments, that's why we need to have thousands upon thousands and thousands of laws enacted and enforced. This is kind of interesting. I did a little research on this. And I was like, how many laws does America have? Well, um, far as I could tell, at least according to Mr. Google, um, it's unclear how many federal laws there are. Like we really don't, it doesn't seem anyone really has a real grasp on this because keep creating new laws, not getting rid of old outdated ones and just keeps adding and adding. So someone did some research. So the federal laws were first codified in 1927 and they fit into a single volume. Okay, in the 80s, there were over 50 volumes with 20,000 pages. And now, of course, there's lots, lots more. There's actually 20,000 laws regarding firearms alone and that's just a narrow focus. Don't get me wrong. In a fallen world, we need to have order and guidelines. I'm, saying, I'm not saying banish the rules and laws. God established rulers and governments for a reason. In order to survive, move forward in peace, we need to have this. We need to have order. However, as a child of God, as we walk in the Spirit, we aren't limited by the law. What I mean by that is, first of all, I don't want to do those things that displease him. He's a commanding officer, and I trust that he has best interests. He's not trying to be a killjoy. He's actually trying to protect us. And he wants to use us in knowing those things will put us in bondage and weigh us down. The law might say, don't steal or defraud your neighbor. The spirit would lead you to go beyond that and maybe a blessing to your neighbor. Maybe you reach out. Maybe you do something for your fellow co uh, worker, someone else in your neighborhood or family member. You reach out. So it's not just the rule of don't steal. He says yes to showing love. God's commands always come with a yes. He's really saying yes to life. Say no to this thing so you can say yes to life. 
The idea here is if we love God, I mean, if we truly love God and are willing to put his agenda first, the rest will start to become details. They'll fall into place naturally because I'm, my focus is here and I'll start walking in line with what he wants and then these things will start to fall into place as I trust and walk with him. That's why the first commandment really is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? If I do that, it's almost like the other parts will start to take care of themselves. Yes, I have to make decisions, I have to make choices, but yet that needs to be the focus and everything else comes in to view. And there's also a great work that God does inside of us. If you're a follower of him, it says he writes the law of God on our hearts. It's actually in there and will guide and direct serve as a compass. There's this Old Testament promise about the new covenant, which is what we're in and currently enjoying now. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33 says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. He's gonna write it on the inside. What's he saying is the inner influence is more effective than the outer influence. What God wants to do on the inside, direct us by spirit is greater than a set of rules that I'm just trying to meticulously follow. The inner influence has way more effect we have the Holy Spirit as our own personal guide. A, a guide is to point us along the same path, to lie us to the same path. You ever go hiking and you kind of lose the people in front of you and you're kind of, oh, wait, and you come to a fork and road and you don't know which trail to go. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, right? Just one honest person? Okay. So, you know, you're on a trail and so you lose sight of others. Well, the Holy Spirit is to be your guide, to guide us to the path he would have for us. Just came back from Kenya a week and a half ago. And as we were there, we're working with particularly the Ilchamus people. Ryan Godoy came uh, with me. It was just uh, the two of us. And we were, actually, I brought him. One reason primarily is because he's a videographer and he can take video of all that we're doing and going on there. We also have our missionaries, the Kipropes, uh, Michelle and William, that have the hospital. But we're working particularly with the Ilchamus people. You might remember last year, we sponsored Bible translation for them. For the New Testament, right? A couple of particular books that we chose, Hebrews and James. And then also um, the kids, VBS, they actually raised money for the Old Testament. And so uh, now I can say as we were there, which is so neat, uh, they have finished the New Testament. They're doing final checking and they're going to do some proofing. That's going to take a little bit of time because they want to make sure they get all the words right. But really for the uh, most part, the bulk of the work is done. So they have the New Testament now in their heart language. And so the Ilchamus are considered unreached people group because they're under, what well, they say, 3% Christian. And so there are a couple small churches. There's some pastors. There's some leaders to kind of work with. And so we actually had about 40 leaders there. We were doing leadership training, which is so great. So we're trying to equip the leaders. Some of them weren't spiritual leaders. They're really more like chief leaders or elders in the community as well. And so it's so great to connect with them and be able to share some of these truths uh, with them, the work that God is doing. So not only do they have the New Testament, um, not only do they, uh, we have some leadership training. Also, uh, there's, this procession they had where they're wearing the traditional outfits. Uh, this area of landscape is actually a government property. It's an agricultural place where they actually rent out and use. So where the Ilchimus really live doesn't look like that. Someone asked me about that last service. Um, and so they're coming out with the, you can't see, but there's like music and they're going to a rhythm. And then they hand one of those boxes to me and to Michelle, um, one of our 
our missionaries and they hand them, you know, then I have to kind of keep the, the rhythm and the beat and perception, but I'm very white. And so that was really hard to do. And so I'm just going to be upfront about that. So I think by the end, I almost got it, but it was so great to take these to the front like this. I was able to pray over them and hand them out to the pastors or hand them out to other people. And these are hymnal books, song books, about 150 songs in them. So they have these hymnals as well. Uh, and the plan is to show the Jesus film out in the community in these farther reach areas that would present the gospel. The Jesus film is from the 70s, but what they do is they translate the book of Luke and they put it in the Ilchimus language. So the lips are actually matching, you know, when Jesus is talking. And when we were there, they had some, the equipment wasn't great. It took them forever to set up. So we're hoping as VBS to be able to raise some um, funds for the equipment. But all to be said, the Ochimus might have these tools. Now the tools are before them and now they have to choose. They have to choose. They have to choose to be led by the Spirit. Are they going to continue to go down the road of the flesh or are they going to choose the Spirit? Well, friends, just how the Ilchamus have that decision before them, we have this decision before us on a regular basis. And particularly, let's talk about this summer. What are we going to do this summer? Uh, we have a choice. And this is the victory, daily victory, God desires to give us. He wants to give us this victory. We're on this journey. And there's no neutrality. There's no middle ground. We either indulge the flesh or walk by the Spirit. So the best way to fight against the flesh is to cling tightly to the Spirit and to follow Him. So how can each of us use this summer, leverage this summer to move forward spiritually? How do we do that? Maybe in our work, we listen to podcasts if possible. Maybe, in, maybe on the way to work, in our vacation, go visit a different church. If that's really hard to do, maybe do your own little service and you trade, pass around the Bible where you uh, read different scriptures together and what it speaks to you. Maybe in your relationships, maybe you send inspiring verse or encouraging word to your friends. In your marriage, you continue to pursue your spouse and, and um, help lead or help um, guide spiritually where you would invest in your spouse spiritually. You spend time together seeking the Lord together as one. Maybe with your kids, take them out for dessert and go through a devotional with them. I know my kids have really appreciated and valued that time where you go to McDonald's and get a McFlurry and you just have time together. Extended family, looking for ways this summer to be a blessing and a help. Maybe friends, you get together for breakfast and you bring some accountability to one another, ask each other, how are you really doing? Not just the sanitized answer. Maybe the activities. Um, as outreach pastor, I might encourage a local outreach. We have all these different partners in our community that we rallied for our community impact day, but this is something we could continue to do. I'll challenge you to take on one of these projects. Uh, if you contact us, we can give you a lead or a couple of good leads for you. But you get the point. How are we going to leverage this summer? Let's be a church that walks by the Spirit this summer. Uh, may it be a defining mark of who we are. So where's God? Where's God in this? This isn't just going to be me time. Let's make this God's time. Let's be purposeful this summer. And friends, some of you might think, okay, this doesn't totally make sense or jive with me. Um, I, I don't totally even understand what you're talking about. Well, we'd love to talk to you if you'd like to make a commitment to Jesus to be on that track of being led, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We'd love to talk to you. We have a prayer team that'll be up on the side and love to meet with you and talk to you what it means to have a personal relationship with God and start this journey. For the rest of us, may we use and leverage this time. I'm just going to give us just a moment. I'm going to just be quiet for a moment. I'm going to ask that you just close your eyes where you are and you would personally commit the summer to him and begin the process of asking him, 
how he wants to use you and work in you this summer. So just take a moment, just your own heart, ask God to lead you this summer by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would guide us, direct us, lead us, knowing that you see the big picture. Lord, open our eyes to your plan. Lord, help us to be those that are willing to say yes. Even just in the small things. Lord, show us how we can say yes. Lord, as we walk in obedience, Lord, we continue to keep our eyes upon you and not give over to the things of the flesh. May we say yes to you, cling to you, and knowing that you have a better way. So Lord, thank you for the walk you desire to have with us. You desire that relationship and continue to grow and mature. And then we trust that you will produce the fruit. May we be a fruitful, productive church this summer. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. amen.